Hello, I'm Nick Park from Evangelical Alliance Ireland, and this is the XXXY Files, a series of messages, podcasts, and videos from Evangelical Alliance Ireland on sexuality and gender, helping and equipping Christians to hold and share a biblical position with clarity and love. This is file number 13, keeping the main thing as the main thing. Over the last three months, we have looked at a lot of aspects of the Christian Church's interactions with society when it comes to sexuality and gender. We don't pretend that we have all the answers, but hopefully these discussions have focused our thinking and clarified our understanding. A lot of people, including Christian leaders whom I greatly respect, have got in touch to express how this process is helping them to approach these issues in an authentic and biblical way. And thank you to everyone who has offered criticisms and suggestions as to how we can present things better. I might not always have agreed with you, but I am grateful that we care enough about the same things to be honest and forthright with each other. So many of the things we have looked at are vital for our freedoms, for the future of the church, for the protection of our children, and for the good of our society. We can't afford to neglect any of these pressing concerns. But it is only right that we end this series by coming back to the most important thing of all. As evangelical Christians, we have a command from Jesus to preach the gospel to all nations. Matthew 28, 18 20 to 20. And there is an assumption built into that command that our preaching will be successful and fruitful enough for baptisms to follow the preaching. The Great Commission includes all of humanity. We are called to preach the gospel to gay and bisexual people. We are called to preach the gospel to transgender people. We are called to preach the gospel to people who are confused and bewildered by all the ideology that they have encountered. And we must have the faith to believe that God will make our preaching to these people to be successful and fruitful. We must dare to believe that churches in Ireland will see many of these people come to Christ that we will rejoice with them as they experience genuine and transformational new life in Jesus, and that, that we will have the joy of baptising them into membership in his church. And we need to be prepared to walk step by step with them as they become disciples who grow in holiness and obedience to Christ. So how do we do that? I wish I had all the answers. I wish I could say this is how our church is having massive success in this area, so why not try what we're doing? But I can't. I wish I could showcase congregations in Ireland or even in other countries that are proving to be powerfully effective in reaching the LGBT community and helping thousands to find freedom and transformation in Christ. But I can't. So if I can't share with you all the answers, I'm going to do the next best thing. I'm going to invite you to journey with me in asking the right questions until we do find the answers. I've often quoted Sean Mullen, the first executive director of Evangelical Alliance Ireland, when he said, instead of pretending that we have all the answers, perhaps we could be the people who are asking the right questions. I think that approach has never been more relevant to the church than it is today. I would like to invite churches, movements and denominations to work with us in finding out how we can learn from other people, from other ministries and from Jesus himself, how to share Jesus more effectively with the LGBT community. Would each movement or denomination consider nominating someone full of faith, wisdom and the Holy Spirit 
that would be part of a team that wrestles with this issue. We could get everything else right in how we present the Christian viewpoint on sexuality and gender. We could win over many people to our point of view. We could change laws and policies and education and other areas of society. But if we aren't actually bringing confused and unhappy people to Jesus, then we will have failed miserably. I know that some will see me as being hopelessly optimistic. It's easy to be cynical especially when we see the headlong rush of society into a destructive ideology, and even more when we see how ineffective the church has been so far in addressing this issue. But I dare to believe, and that is not blind faith. I dare to believe because evangelical Christians in Ireland have already managed to respond to similar challenges. Thirty years ago, as a young, or at least younger than I am now, church planter, There were those who thought it was impossible for evangelical churches to thrive in a strongly Catholic society such as the Irish Republic. As a new believer in Northern Ireland, I used to see tent crusades where a speaker and a testimony would be advertised each evening. One night there'd be a converted alcoholic. The next night a converted terrorist. The next night a converted drug addict. And then there would be a converted Catholic. The thinking was that if a Catholic placed their faith in Christ and were born again then that was something so rare that people would come and fill a huge tent just to hear this story. And then I find myself planting a church in Drogheda, where everyone I spoke to seemed to be a Catholic. Others were telling me how important it was that if a Catholic person actually crossed the threshold of our new church, then I had to immediately start preaching against transubstantiation or prayers to Mary or papal infallibility or baptismal regeneration. And when I didn't take that approach... I was accused of compromising. I was told that I wasn't condemning Catholicism strongly enough or even condemning it at all. One brother, in all seriousness, urged me to preach the pure gospel of sin. The thing was, I wasn't seeing Catholics crossing the threshold of our church. I was seeing people who were struggling to make sense of relationships, who were frustrated at being unemployed, who were trying to escape from addictions, I had been taught that these were people who thought they could earn their way to heaven, but most of them were just looking for the grace to get through the rest of the week. Now don't get me wrong, we we knew what we believed about justification by faith, biblical inerrancy and all that other good stuff, and we were upfront and open about what we believed. But we didn't see ourselves as fighting Catholicism. We were too busy preaching Jesus to get caught up in the other stuff. After a few years, I would meet people from Northern Ireland who, who upon discovering that we had several hundred people worshipping each week in Drogheda, would ask incredulously, and are any of those people Catholics? And to me, that question seemed to come from another lifetime or universe. I would stop to think for a moment and reply, "Well, well, yes, most of them were brought up as Catholics, but what's happening in Drogheda isn't about Catholicism or Protestantism. It's about Jesus and his power to change all our lives. Some of us had a similar mental block when it came to people who were living together outside of marriage. There were churches where an unmarried couple who visited on on a Sunday might suddenly find that the pastor would change his planned sermon and preach against fornication instead. But most of us got to grips with the truth that we preach Jesus first, and then we sat down with new believers and helped them come to grips with 
the practical outworking of discipleship in their lives. In our church in Drada, we have conducted so many weddings for couples who had been cohabiting, came to Christ, and now want righteousness to be fulfilled in their homes. Some of these weddings were big public celebrations, but I've conducted dozens of quiet weddings for families where everyone had assumed they were married already. So we have weddings in an empty church building with just myself, the bride and groom, and their two legal witnesses. And God is there as we help them to set their lives in order. Our church is not unusual or unique in this. To a great extent, evangelical Christians in Ireland have worked out how to share Jesus effectively with unmarried couples. We haven't changed our view on what God's plan for intimacy is. We've learned that we can help people achieve that plan more effectively by seeing them as people who Jesus loves, not as representatives of some trend that we're fighting against. And so I am confident that we can find ways to share Jesus with those who are struggling in the areas of sexuality and gender. I'm not trying to gloss over problems or pretend that everything is easy. We need wise and faith-filled Christian leaders who will seek the Lord together in this process. Sometimes it might get messy. Sometimes we might be accused of stuff that isn't true. But I dare to believe that we love people enough to make it a priority to share Jesus with them. This is the last of the XXXY files, but the plan is to produce an expanded and more detailed version of these teachings in the form of a book. And we would also love to come to your church, your area, or your networks of churches and believers to present this material to a live audience and give more opportunity for questions and discussion. God bless you.